what these young bloods have to understand that this game has always been and will always be about buckets. Just attack the basket. Welcome to Buckets, brought to you by BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks. My name's Matt Moore. I'm the senior NBA writer for the Action Network. This is your Friday best bets and your futures look for January 26th in the National Basketball Association. You can't do that the way they do National Football League. It doesn't. It's National Basketball Association is good. <laughs> mostly just like in the yes, association. The, the association, yeah. The, the association. association is the better one. Join me tonight, as he does every Friday, is Sean Little. You can check him out on Twitter and the Action Network app. At Chicago Flow, he's back uh, after covering the New York Knicks, absolutely putting just just a a spanking, a beating on the the defending champion Denver Nuggets, who were uh, at the end of a road trip. Um, found an interesting trend on that actually. Uh, teams that are favored at home versus opponents that have been on at least a two game road trip, and the next game's at home, so it's the last leg of it. Found out that's seventy nine percent straight up. Now the ATS margin is only is like fifty percent. It's dead even because they know how to price it. But it's a real good spot for a win. Uh, I was on Knicks tonight and the under, and both came home for me. So I was grateful for that, especially after Isaiah Hartenstein was ruled out. We'll do best bets. We're gonna talk rookie of the year, and we'll get into the Milwaukee Bucks and their situation. We'll do that as part of our cap here um, in the best bets episodes. We're gonna kind of roll into the discussion with that because. Well, one of us has the best bet on that game as the Bucks face the Cavaliers. But before we do that, a reminder, everything we talk about can be found in the award-winning Action Network app. Best way for you to track your picks. You get up-to-second information where the bets and money are coming in on. You can watch our podcast. You can catch uh, all of our content, Stucky's breakdown for this championship weekend, and his Ravens, who better fucking win this game with how much everyone thinks that this is a blowout. In the betting world, it's been steamed. Uh, you can catch all that for championship weekend as the Ravens take on the Chiefs, as well as the Niners taking on the Lions. Uh, our college basketball content in full swing. At tip, start looking at college basketball stuff in the app. Just start looking at our experts and the games that they're picking and the analysis and just like just look through. Make a couple wagers just to get your feet wet. That way you won't be going into March Madness cold because you know that you're going to be betting March Madness. So go check out all of our stuff in the Action Network app. You can also check out our stuff on YouTube.com slash the Action Network. It's, you're going to find all of our live shows, lots of cool stuff in there as well. Well, content from All-Star Weekend. I'm heading there here in a few weeks as well as I'll have lots of stuff on Green Dot Daily next week in advance of the trade deadline. All right, Sean, let's get to it. What are your best bets for Friday in the association? Yeah, I'm going to Milwaukee. I'm going to take the Cavs plus the five and a half in the the double home and home duplex spot there for the Bucs. So I'm going to go with the opponent, the road dog in the Cavaliers. Okay, I've got two. Uh, I already bet this. I took the Dallas Mavericks minus one and a half on the road versus the Atlanta Hawks, the worst ATS team in the association. Uh, I'm also going to be on the under in that Cavs bucks game. Um, and we'll kind of break down why, uh, let's start with you. I'm going to go ahead and give you the bad news on the trend. Cause we looked this up before it got there. Uh, 
this is a duplex spot for this. So for those of you that don't know, uh, Ken Barkley from You Better You Bet, great daily radio show that covers betting, kind of coined this term. And it's when you spend two games in an opponent's place and you play within the span of a number of days. Uh, so you, this is two games within three days between division opponents, teams that are at home, that were home for the last one, that won the last one, that were favorites the last one, are favorites this time, and covered last time. Uh, in the entirety of, and there's only there was only one before 2021 when they started doing this. Teams in that spot, 32 and 13 straight up at 71 percent, and 26, 18 and one ATS, 59 percent with a 2.27 ATS margin. So that's the bad news for you. Why do you like the Cavs to go ahead and catch the Bucks uh, in their second game with Joe Prunty napping? Yeah, well, good thing we work off ATS numbers because that's a little a little less <laughs> daunting at 59%. Uh, this is why I'm looking at the Cavs. Overall, they've been playing really good basketball as of late. They've gotten it together. Donovan Mitchell is rolling. We we know he didn't he didn't get the nod or Jalen Brunson. First of all, when I heard Dame Lillard was the starter, I was very upset. If, it's, if it wasn't going to be Jalen Brunson, it had to be Donovan Mitchell. There was no question about that. That that Dame starting wasn't even a question for me. So that that threw me a little bit. But to get back to the cap and this game and this situation, these two teams are very familiar with each other. At home a couple weeks ago, not even a couple weeks ago, Cleveland got a big W at home versus Milwaukee on the 17th. They beat those guys by 40. We know that was before Adrian Griffin got got tossed and they made that big change. But they're coming off that change. They got that bump. They played really well against Cleveland the other night. They got to the free throw line, which Cleveland allows teams to do at a far too high rate as, as a team that wants to compete in the East. But they let them get to the free throw line. At one point, they were down 20-plus points in this game. It was never a doubt that Milwaukee was going to take care of business in this spot. Now, they go get a day off of rest. They come back. The, the, the new, the, the, there's not going to be any dancing. The, the Adrian Griffin bump, him being gone, is done. They got that out of the way. I think with the familiarity of these teams and those guys coming right back into the gym, a full five and a half, full six points to lose this ball game on the margin side is a bit too steep to me. I just have the number being a bit too high. I expect Cleveland to come out and be very competitive. I was also looking at the first half at my uh, plus two and a half is the number that I'm seeing right now. But overall, two full possessions is too much for me. I like Cleveland to come out, continue to play a lot of D, continue to be cooking on O, even though it has been against some of the weaker competition in the league. They've still been blowing those guys out. They are the real deal. They are legit. I expect them to be fired up coming off a big blowout loss. And I expect Milwaukee to be cozy comfortable dames now the starter the coach is out of there uh Giannis Antetokounmpo is not answering any more questions about that at least for the time being I like Cleveland to come in here sneak in and be very competitive potentially get a win as well yeah it's an interesting narrative question right of uh if they lose like I I do like to kind of sometimes think about what's the narrative if if they win or lose this game or if they cover or not and it's um you know if they lose this game it's like well, you fired Adrian Griffin and didn't fix the defense. Now, did it? Right. 
Um, and if they win, it's like, hey, like maybe he was the problem. Like there's just continue to roll. Bucks have not been good versus division this season. That's been a problem for them when it was such a like a lock for them with Bud. Uh, here's a good one: the Bucks against opponents that are uh, that have a winning percentage of fifty percent or better at the time of the matchup. Uh, they are eight and ten. The Bucks are ten and eight straight up, but opponents are eleven and seven, sixty-one percent ATS versus the Bucks when they're five hundred or better. Um, Cavs have been sneaky good in this spot. It's been a, a pretty solid location for them, so um, I can get behind the idea. I don't want to mess with it because of the duplex spot. And honestly, the Adrian Griffin. We can kind of talk about this here. Yeah, the Adrian Griffin component of this is really weird and hard to kind of figure out um from a, a this a cap right now standpoint they didn't they did not have the trust of adrian griffin like they didn't trust adrian griffin like they did not trust him he did not have their trust they did not trust him i wrote an article that kind of detailed like look if I knew that there were problems from talking to people in the league. Like there was a lot of noise coming out about like, it's bad. Um, Like it started getting out almost immediately. Like Dame has questions about the coaching and then more and more, you could just kind of see it. You didn't need to have like the insider stuff that the, the stuff I hear, you didn't need that because there were all these references. You had Chris Middleton and Brooke Lopez basically correcting him on scheme and being like, we cannot do this. We've got to go back to this other scheme. Um, we, you had, uh, Bobby Portis lighten him up at the end season tournament and what was reported after the game by Chris Haynes, you had day, uh, Giannis's comments over the last two weeks have basically been like more and more about the scheme, the defense, the problem, like all of the issues and nobody was really coming out with it. And it was like, honestly, in like league circles, it was, everyone was wondering like, who's going to write the thing? Like, this is inevitable that there's – we thought that there yeah. would first be the, like, there are major pro- questions, and then he would finally get fired. But instead, the Bucks beat everybody to it. And so that's why afterwards – that's why in the aftermath, it didn't take – a fun thing to do is see how long it takes for those after pieces, the now you, t- you tell us pieces to come out. Because the ones that were so obvious, it's within the same day. Not a week, not two days, not three days – by the next morning, The Athletic, Yahoo, all of these places had detailed reporting on yeah. stuff that they already had kind of stored up. Uh, so it's not a surprise. But going forward for betters, Sean, like, I don't know how to cap this because Prunty is not the coach. Like, he's a leftover assistant of a failed regime. It's not like all the guys were like, "We this is the guy we want. They hired Doc. It's going to take Doc a while for him to figure out, like, for him to get installed and, and do everything that get himself in place. So in the meantime, like, I don't know, like they'll play closer to what they've done in the past, but they're not just going to like zip back to bud ball in the interim. So I don't really know how to cap them right now. Yeah. I'm interested to see if now Adrian Griffin is gone and it's like a breath of fresh air and they just start playing a lot more aggressive and take those, the regular season a little more seriously, but it is a difficult cap. I just believe more in the Cavaliers as a whole and as a as a squad here bouncing back after getting beat up in a game versus a uh, versus a division opponent that they're familiar with and they just got a big W against those guys previously. But to go back to to AG and Adrian Griffin, it was uh first of all, I really can appreciate Giannis and the franchise 
moving on. You notice I said Giannis first because the this whole this whole thing with him on the mic coming out and saying I love the guy. I I, I wish him I wish him the best and all this. It's like I I don't oh I don't I'm not in the front office. I don't talk to those guys. I just you know I just tie up Nikes and and, and go out <laughs> and play. I don't know what I don't even what like the coach got fired really. So Rip, that's good. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, I don't understand. That's complete nonsense. So I do applaud them for moving off of Adrian Griffin as soon as they did admitting the mistake and moving on ASAP because that window is a lot smaller than we realized with Dame and Giannis. That could go south very quickly. They noticed that, and Giannis was telling them that, to be completely honest. And they went ahead and did what they had to do. So I applaud them for that. Sometimes you're just in over your head a bit, and that's what it seemed like Adrian Griffin was. He got the nod from Giannis to start the season, so he got the job. And now they were like, hey, this dude's in over his head, and they had to move off because of the situation with Dame, Giannis, and that timetable. They they need to win the title this year or next, or both of those guys won't be around. I'm confident of that. I mean, look, honestly, um, from my perspective, I applaud them because it's very easy for teams to – buying into your own success is a disease in the NBA. Like, you make a conference finals, and you're like, we know we've got what it takes. There's no like, okay, how do we like, how do we get there? Are we that good? Or do we need to like majorly improve? Like yeah. the Hawks bought in after the 2021 run. And it it's was a, a disaster. Example. The Mavericks bought in after the 2022 run. And it's been a disaster. Like they don't have the components. Right. And so you've got to be, I applaud the Bucks for being able to look at this and be like, it doesn't matter that we're 30 and 14. Our defense sucks. We're not going anywhere. Yeah. We're not going anywhere if this is how we're going to play defense. Dame out in Portland is another good example. Yeah. They go to the conference yeah. finals, they get swept, and maybe that cost him. He gave them the benefit of the doubt for an extra couple of years, and maybe he shouldn't have got out of Portland earlier than he did. But it's when you do buy into that and you, you've had a little taste, it's like, oh, we could get back there. The next thing you know, it's four or five years down the road, and you haven't been there, and you have no no vision of how you're going to get back. I've got this uh, projected well under around two thirty. Um, that yeah, the Bucks defense has been bad. I do think that probably they'll be better than they were. The Cavs gave up a huge number one twenty six to the 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 Bucks the other night. I have a feeling they'll probably buckle down there. Yeah. Largely, one of the things that happens is the Bucks tend to go over when they average more free throws, and they do average more free throws than the Cavs, but that's also something the Cavs can clean up in game two. More familiarity does make it, I think, a little bit harder to draw those same contact because they're used to the mechanisms and they're able to figure out ways to avoid those calls. Uh, by the way, after you play the Cavs, is a, a typically a very good under spot, and guess what? The Bucks just play the Cavs and playing them again. So uh, I will take the under in this game and stay away from the side 238 and a half uh another game on the slate that i've got this one look um we've had this spot a few times where a team has been either a small favorite or a dog in atlanta and we've been like that stinks watch out um the dallas mavericks are are one and a half at open one and it's still one and a half here Hasn't gotten like ballooned up in the hour since it opened. Not surprising. Might go to two tomorrow. We'll see. Um, 
I will say this. The teams that I want to bet on Dallas are when they're facing a team that is sub 500 and can't get their shit together. You have to face a team that is like, a good way to think of it is Dallas is great when they face teams that are less serious than they are. And they're not very serious. But you know who's completely <laughs> unserious? The team that is currently on pace for the worst ATS record since at least 2003. Since we have data available, the Hawks are on pace for the worst ATS margin. Uh, that tells you that the books are unable to properly rate this team. Like they are unable to properly rate it. And I understand why, because like versus the Warriors, I was like, oh, there's a huge edge here. What's the team? And I was like, oh, no, it's the Hawks. I'm definitely not betting that. But they're still going to get – they're going to get power rated based off of their performance in X categories. Atlanta has been a miserable home team as they've been bad on the road and at home, which means that, like, home court advantage here is not significant. I can't get to that spot. So, like, even if we give the Hawks a point and a half for home court, which I think is generous, but I'm willing to give it. Like, I give two and a half standard. If we give them a point and a half – Right, this only here gets to three in Dallas. That's not enough. Dallas is a significantly better team. Just because Dallas can't beat anybody with a pulse doesn't mean that Dallas can't handle when they're on the road versus these sub five hundred teams. Kyrie Irving is questionable. This is probably largely built on the fact that Luka Doncic is still questionable with a right ankle sprain. I, the indications are that he is going to play. Seems like Kyrie's like a very def, like a very maybe ish. I don't need Kyrie for this. I only need Luca to play. If Luca does not play, th- that's that's how this goes in the association. So like you should wait and make sure that Luca plays and if this pops to 3, I'm still going to like it. Like I'm there's not going to be a number that this will get to where I will feel like this does not have value. Um and it's not just like a straight blind fade of the Atlanta Hawks. It's easy to do that, but it's not that. It's more a matter of this profiles very much with how Dallas performs when they're facing certain teams. I have this in Atlanta, mind you. I have this Mavs minus six. That's where I think this is. So I've got four and a half points of value here. Even if Luca's out, I would only probably be at, let's see. Yeah, I would still have um, a little bit of an edge on Dallas. Yeah. So I'm comfortable here. There are definite, when the Thunder were playing them and the Thunder were small favorites, that was a warning spot. This to me just seems like a straight power rating. And I don't see any reason not to trust Dallas here. This is the kind of opponent they take care of. I'll lay the points, the point and a half with the Mavericks. Yeah, Luka's a full, full five in this day and age in the NBA for sure against the number. Just to give you guys the number on the Atlanta Hawks against the spread, they're 11 and 33 ATS. 11 and 33, that's 25% against the number. They have been horrendous. Now, I've been down on Dallas from the beginning of the year. I took team total under. I put out a video. I did everything. I'm, I'm not a huge fan of Dallas. But coming off of what they just put together against Phoenix and that bullshit with the crowd and Luka throwing people out and all that and the way they just absolutely collapsed in the second half, they looked actually competent and solid in the first half. And just yeah. fell off a cliff in the last yep. 24 minutes. Luca's frustrated, all that stuff. If I, if they're expected to be taken seriously at all, and this is all if Luca goes, they have to go into Atlanta and take care of business. 
period, end of story. This is the game that you have to come back and win if you are an actual NBA, even a play-in NBA Western Conference team led by a starter in the All-Star game and an All-NBA guy in Luka. You have to go into Atlanta, get this win, and, and, and even make a little bit of a statement coming off of that collapse versus the Suns. I know the Suns have been playing really well, have now won seven in a row. I get that. But that performance at home on national TV was a bit jarring. I expect them, and they should, be able to take care of business against the Atlanta Hawks. Bounce back spot. Um, Mavericks this season. 15-9, and nine, 63% ATS versus teams under 500, including 9-4 and four ATS on the road versus teams under 500. So love the spot. That'll do it for your best bets for Friday. Uh, Sean's going to go ahead and take the Cavaliers with the points versus the Bucks. I've got the under in that game, two, under 238.5, and I'm laying the points with the Mavericks, minus 1.5, any number you get at uh, Luca or no Luca. Well, not Luca. Wait for Luca to play. If Luca's not playing, yeah. don't bet. Don't bet on the Hawk. <laughs> hey, I'll don't say this. Luca, Luca looked good on TNT. So he, yeah. the, the ankle, he, he was standing up. He looked, he looked like the ankles yeah. are. Right. But, yes, go ahead, also, Matt. Tell the people, do not back. Yeah. If Luka Doncic <laughs> is out, do not bet on the Atlanta Hawks. I am begging you. Please do not. Like, I will think about betting Mavericks if, if Luka is out. I will think about it. I'll see what the line does, and we'll, we'll see how it goes. You can track it in the app. This podcast is proudly presented by BetMGM. Use bonus code ACTION when signing up to get $158 in bonus bets when you bet $5. For new users in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kentucky, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Terms and conditions apply. Must be 21 or older. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Uh... Elsewhere in the association, Wes Unsell Jr. was removed, was let go of his duties as head coach of the Washington Wizards. He moved to a front office role. And people have been kind of like talking about that all day about like what, you know, like why they keep him, you know, all these types of things. This move, let me describe to you what this is. This is the, hey, we know things are bad and this is new management. And so we're going to make a change, but this is not your fault. That's what this is. Yes, exactly this is, is. It is not your fault, Wes, that we that we had Bradley Beal for years. It is not your fault that we traded for Jordan Poole. It is not your fault that we gave Kyle Kuzma forty million. It is not your fault that this roster has no discernible direction. You 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 did fine, Wes. You can come work in the front office. Um, I don't think that there's and like to me that's like accurate. It's like I don't think the Wizards were. West never got the most out of them. I will also say this, like this was not the right. What I, I know West from Denver West, I think would have done really great if he landed somewhere where he could have developed a young roster. I think if you actually gave him a young team, you'd be like, well, Corey Kispert and Denny Avdia. Um, like cool. Like cool. looks pretty good. Right. If you gave him an actual young roster, a real rebuild, but the wizards tried to split the difference. They were trying to be like, we're 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 developing young guys, but we also want to compete. And we got Bradley. Be- they never they didn't make decisions, and that's you're always going to get these. And when when the guys aren't bought in, it doesn't matter who's coaching. If they know that they're just there getting checks, and it's only a matter of time, and all those dudes did, you're not going to be able to have any sort of success. So, um, Wizards have underperformed ATS 
Like I had to stay away from him. I put a small bet on an over on their win total when it was live earlier because I was like, you know, they're better than the record says. And then I had to watch them like another 15 games and be like, oh, no, they're as bad as the record said. They might be worse than the record, quite honestly. So um, nothing really I don't think you can do with the Wizards right now. But it'll be interesting to see what direction they go in with the new management winger, et cetera, being able to hire their own coach, Sean. And there could be a couple guys on the roster that are collecting checks. They can't be the two highest usage players on the team. Yeah. <laughs> like that, that's where it's like, all right, this is going to be a disaster. And the makeup of Kuzma and Poole's game is just a bad combination together overall. Typically on a winning team and a good roster, you only have room for one of those guys. And typically, hopefully, it's coming off the bench, to be completely honest. Here, let this guy come off the bench and just do whatever the fuck he wants. And hopefully, he puts it in the hole enough to where he's impacting that second unit and is scoring enough for the other guys to get back on the floor and then take care of business and close games. It's the exact opposite when we're talking about Kyle Kuzma and Jordan Poole. These guys are supposed to be the leaders of the team and the high usage guys of the team, and they just don't play winning enough basketball for that. Kyle Kuzma, I believe, can help a lot of different yeah. teams as yeah. as like a three, three, three B type of dude. But you're asking him to be the face of the franchise essentially at the moment, and Kyle yeah. Kuzma's not going to be able to to carry that weight. Yeah, that's a lot of it. Like, I, I think Kyle's about the right things. I think I think Kyle's yeah, about the right things. I agree with that. Um, I think on, like, one of the – I mean, we'll see what kind of happens. I, we'll see if Tyus Jones gets moved. I still – like, there's a lot of teams that want him. We'll see if he moves. But he's a guy that everyone's, like, really, like, got to get that guy out of there. Like, he's a winning player. Kuzma, there's a lot – like, there's a split on. Like, some franchises, I think, really believe that he could be a major contributor. And I think some franchises – and, like, he's a winning player. They're like, he won a title. And then some people are like, I don't know, like, is he really a guy that, you know, can play impactful basketball? You know, is he still going to be looking for his points and stuff at this point in his career? I, I, I'm I, actually pretty much in Kyle's corner. I think I've seen a lot from him defensively through the years. I just think that he's in a bad spot and he'll be fine once he gets out of Washington. Yeah. Um, and he's got his money now, year? too. He's got paid yeah, now, he has, too. Have his money. Like, that, he was like, hey, I wanted to get paid. Like, I got a ring. Now it's time okay. to get paid. Now I'm paid. Now it's almost like. All right, I'm ready to get back to to contribute into a winning right. basketball team and culture. Now that Which, I, I got the ring, went and got paid wherever I need to go to get paid. Now it's like maybe I could go back to a, a the, team. The goal for the Wizards to. needs to not be the team that that guys go to to just go get numbers and spend a couple of years and get paid. Like you yeah. should be the team that they're like, I want to go win at. Like that's got to be the goal going forward. Right. Uh, let's talk about rookie of the year. So after Victor Wembanyama has, he's just kind of like steadily kept you know to borrow the san antonio phrase pounding the rock he just kept putting up numbers and putting up numbers and putting up numbers he's off the minutes restriction uh and he's now minus 175 to win rookie of the year bet mgm chet holmgren all the way down to plus 145 we are down to just five guys on the board everybody else is off the board you got jaime Hawkins at 250 to one scoot is still on the board. They'll take your money. <laughs> five hundred to one. RIP our our, our Scoot Anderson tickets and Brandon Miller at five hundred to one. Um, so I, I've advocated pretty consistently on the show. Like, hey, whoever's a dog, you should bet. I am at a point where I think I've like this is the stopping point. I think for that, I'm no longer like, yeah, you should be betting Chet. I think now is the is the point where 
if you are more heavily leveraged on Chet Holmgren, you should start, you should get whatever hedge value you can get, whether it's parlays or, or otherwise, with Victor at minus 175. And that's not to say that I don't think it can switch because I do think that Chet like can have a lull and then rebound lead. I don't know that he's hit like a rookie wall. I do think that there's been enough. One thing I, I talk about a lot with awards voting, the beat writers are a huge chunk of the vote. Okay. And most of the beat writers will do the research and watch the film and like do the deep dives and they'll listen to the podcast. Like they will do the research, but a lot of them don't have time and that's okay. You know, they still are able to, to, to be, they're like, they're still going to do a good job voting. But what they will do is they will take a special note of what they saw when they saw that guy. And those beat writers are going to be like, man, Chet Holmgren, what a talent. But they're also going to be like, holy shit, what is Victor Wembanyama? And that is legitimately, I think, going to be a very big impact, especially if the Spurs don't shut Chet or uh, Victor down, which I don't think they're going to. So to me, and one more thing, the biggest reason maybe to start betting Victor at minus 175 even is this. Um, word is that the Spurs are not looking to deal to ditch salary. They're not looking for draft picks. They are actively searching the market for win-now players. That doesn't mean they're going to go get Zach Levine. That doesn't mean that they're going to go try and make some major trade. What it does mean is that if there's a veteran that they think can come in and actually give them minutes that they can get for whatever asset they've got hanging around, they are looking to do that kind of a deal. So that tells you that there's a chance that the Spurs will be better in the last half of the year, even if they shut Chet or Wemby down for like the last two, three weeks, right? Like two weeks, two weeks, let's say two weeks. Even if they do that, uh, we found this out. The rookie, the minimum doesn't count for rookie of the year. You do not have to play 65 for ROI. I confirmed that with the league. So there's every reason to think, uh, that I think Victor Weminyama is where you need to have the money. And I think this is the stop point for Chet Holmgren, Sean. Very well said. Another thing about the beat writers and having the majority of the vote and not having the time to watch and go do go through film breakdown and just go through and evaluate their actual vote, they're going on what they saw. It's especially more weighted on the head-to-head matchups. You saw it clear as day. Last year, when Embiid played Jokic, oh, <laughs> close, close the, close the voting booth. It's already done. Now we're coming off a game the other night where Victor played better and was more impactful than Chet because Chet doesn't have to do as much as Victor. I think that's yeah. a big. That's like the the at the at the end of the day, Chet has so much talent and skill around him, and it's an actual certified, bona fide team, he doesn't have to do as much. And so Victor Wimbanyama's plays are going to pop, the numbers are going to pop, and in that head-to-head matchup, that's the things that the beat riders, the people that vote, that aren't really going through game-to-game are going to remember, and Victor, at least last night, won that matchup. Now, I want to go back and talk about hedging really quick. If you're, l- Let's talk about hedging. I think people sometimes get hung up on hedging that you have to hedge every single dollar that you have at risk and invested. You, if you're, I understand when you're really trying to get out of a play and full play, not take any loss 
whatsoever. Obviously, that's the best way to go about it. And even sometimes in the hedging spot to maybe flip your position a full 360 and make a little profit on on the hedge, right? But don't be afraid to take a little bit of a loss on a hedge as well. Don't be in a spot where you're not going to hedge because you can't get all of your money back. You can still take a little bit of a loss on a hedge if you're not. Don't overextend yourself trying to make sure you get a clean hedge. And I'm talking about hedging, period, not just in, in the rookie of the year or futures voting. Our futures plays or tickets, I'm talking about from a from a parlay to a whatever. Don't get stuck. Don't get hung up on trying to buy out of positions and not doing it because you can't get all of your money back that you initially invested. So I just wanted to lay that out there as well. But yeah. The So uh, so I I think as a follow up to that, you know, people are gonna be like, minus one seventy five, really? I know it's painful, but look, here's the deal. That's sixty three percent. 63.6% implied via our calculators you can find at Action Network and in the app, okay? I'm telling you, like, I think that's light. Like, that's probably light. That, right. When we talk about, like, I think there's, you know, we say on this podcast all the time, that I think there's value. And I do, I, I try and make it a point to try and quantify or at least qualify that to be like, here's what that means. And the thesis is, I think that, Ch- that Wemby is, I keep saying Chet, that Wemby is probably, it's like my subconscious is like, you think Chet should win. Um, I think Wemby is closer to like 70%. I think he wins like seven out of 10 times at this point based off of what I expect for the back half of the season. Um, what I see from the voters, how Chet's season has gone. And I think what you said was really kind of important too, which is Chet does all of the winning stuff, plays great defense, hits big shots, is part of a winning team. None of that shit has ever mattered in the history of the Rookie of the Year award. And it's frustrated me for years. Like, I think it should matter that Chet Holmgren is the second best player on the number one fucking team in the West. Like, J-Dub's great. I love J-Dub. Chet's number two. Like, Chet's two. And so, like, to me, that's hugely important. But Chet doesn't do that by averaging 25 and whatever. Like, he's not putting up the figures that are going to get him home on this award. And at the end of it, there will be enough voters that aren't beat writers who are simply like, okay, how many did Victor Weminyama score? Oh, uh, Victor Weminyama <laughs> scored way more. And that's like yeah. it. That's, a, yeah. that's all it's going to take for him to win that award. And so at, Victor at 20, 10, and 3 on 47, 29, that's improving, by the way. And 80% from the line, that's more than good enough to get him home. Yeah. And shooting efficiency has never mattered. He's putting up 20 per game. They're going to look at those figures and be like, Victor Wemanyama is a rookie of the year. So I think that the, I think the chat bets were good. This is the point where I, and like, again, I think we had really good value when we were betting Chet as a dog early before he caught momentum. But now, like, it, it's one of the things where it's like the race starts. And it's neck and neck, and then one guy goes behind, but you're like, there's value here. And they catch back up, and the other guy goes behind, and there's value on the other one. And now Victor has just, like, started breaking ahead. And it's we're, we're past the halfway mark. This gets very, like, it gets fast very quick now. We've got, like, 10 games to All-Star. And then after that, think about that. We've got 30 games left, and the last 10 don't matter. Like, they're irrelevant. The last yeah. 10 games do not matter. So this catches up very quickly. Um, 
is that what do you think Chet could do to get back into even with him? Yeah, that's the thing. I, I'm not exactly sure because he's playing phenomenal. <laughs> His team is phenomenal. He's playing phenomenal. I'm not sure. It, it would have to be like the flip in the media coverage and a, a flip in the hype train and Wemby get hurt, I guess. Of course, we don't want that to happen, but that is obviously something that could happen. He just doesn't play. And then Chet could come in and just start stacking up games, wins, and a lot more minutes. That is, that is the one thing I could see. But um, I got I got one. Okay. Shea misses time and Thunder hold serve. That mm. would do it. If if Shea misses time That's and Chet stepped in, stepped in with higher usage, and he's at like he's at seventeen points now, he bumps up to like twenty one. Even if his efficiency drops, and all of a sudden it's like, look. Shea Gillis Alexander went out for three weeks and the Thunder did not fall from the number one spot. Yeah. That might be enough for people to be like, man, I don't know. I don't know. Like, do I want to punish him because he plays with Shea? Like, do I really? And that's yeah. hard here. You know, yeah. it's like, you so, don't want to punish. Either way, an injury. Yeah. An injury, like an injury is yeah. going to need to occur. If it stays yeah. how, it, how it's going right now and both guys continue to play, and even Wemby sits out a few more games and he maybe we think he should be able to 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 win this award, he's still gonna qualify and he's gonna yeah. win. So the yeah. uh, an injury is gonna have to take place, whether that be SGA or Wemby. But yeah, that is a really good point on on that side. Um and it but but I've talked to a couple people, you included, and they want Wemby to get the reps. So the the whole shutdown thing, I believe, is out of the question. I think he's going to play. And also, yeah. one more thing here on the head-to-head. There were a few instances in the game last night where I felt like Wemby was looking for Chet to say something to him, to get aggressive. The dunk and then the, the instant Chet try to cover him up on the inbound pass. Chet doesn't look at him. I feel like Wemby was like almost trying to lean into this rookie of the year rivalry. And Chet didn't want really anything to do with it. Didn't look at him. Didn't say anything. Wemby was, there there was multiple, go back and watch the game if you missed it. There was jump shots that Wemby hit where he was looking, staring down Chet. Chet wouldn't engage in any of that at all. I was actually impressed with Wemby in, in that sense. For the guy that's in bed by 10 and stretching and drinking water and reading, he sure was trying to get in Chet's face. And you need two guys to tango. And Chet wanted nothing to do with it. And Wemby gave him every opportunity to engage. And that was something I noticed. And I don't know if that should go into your vote. That should be a part of your slip. But I thought that was interesting because I thought Chet would be about it. And it was the exact opposite. Wemby was about it. And Chet wanted I nothing think, to do with the engagement. I, I I think most of that is that Victor may be with the Spurs, but he's like he had a brand and an identity, and like he has managers. Like like Victor Wembanyama has plans of being not only a champion but a superstar. Right. Chet Holmgren has drank the Thunder Kool Aid all the way down, and that is mm. evident from every PR appearance he has made. Uh, he was in Denver and somebody asked him about, asked J-Dub about, hey, you know, how great is it that you've got Chet to kind of complete the team now with his rim protection and defense when he had five blocks versus the Nuggets? 
And Chet cuts J-Dub off and leans in and says, I haven't completed anything. We haven't done anything. We have so much more to do, so much more to learn. And it was like, like I, I could see, like it was like shadow figure, psychic energy, M. Bison, Sam Presti was behind him manipulating him. <laughs> like it was, yeah, like it was just yeah. pure thunder ethos. So um, interesting stuff with Chet and Wemby. Um, I got some trade notes for you before we get out of here. Want to get your reaction? Uh, my understanding from what I've heard is that the Lakers are unlikely, unlikely to trade for Bruce Brown as they feel that they need a bigger impact guy. Bruce is a great like complimentary component, but I think that they're looking for a major piece again uh, to try. If they're going to trade what they're going to trade, they want that level of peace, which is interesting because I continue to hear that the big holdup with DeJounte Murray is that the Hawks want Austin Reeves and the Lakers continue to be like, mm, don't want to do that. Um, so like that, I think is like where the dynamic is at. Now this could also, well, it, it might be one of those things where Bruce Brown is not an impactful enough player until the DeJounte Murray talks fall apart. And then all of a sudden Bruce Brown looks pretty, <laughs> pretty good as a pickup for the Lakers. Yeah. Um, but I do think that that's something to consider if you're looking at betting the Lakers, because they're, I wrote about this last week on action. You catch it in the app. I mean, if you're looking to bet on this Lakers team, cause you're like, they'll just make a trade and go on a run. Maybe, but I'm just telling you, like the underpinnings are like they are what they are. The record they are what the record says they are. And these runs that they've gone on are not sustainable in a long term way, which makes their uh futures, I think, not unbettable, just really volatile. Yeah, that's that's absolutely well said. We know that if they're at home. They can compete. Let's just – its I think we, we really complicate a lot of this Lakers stuff. Anthony Davis is up and down. LeBron James cannot, cannot be the man every single night anymore. And they're very comfortable at, at home, and that's where they get wins. When they go on the road and Anthony Davis is a little bit off, they're not going to get many wins. We can talk about the coaching. That's a whole different conversation. But Austin Reeves hasn't lived up to – the the I guess forecast we had him coming into 2024. The, I, I, I could be completely honest. I was one of the guys that was under the impression that Reeves got hosed on his deal and he should have got way more money. And I couldn't believe that the Lakers got away with paying him what they did. And then he comes into the year and he hasn't lived up to what we thought he should be with as much as he was going to handle the rock. D'Angelo Russell's D'Angelo Russell just like Tobias Harris is Tobias Harris. So we don't really have to have that conversation, right? So if Rui hasn't really made the step either. So all these years, we've been, all these years, LeBron's been trying to find the guys that fit and will make the step and that will take over and be impactful. They haven't been. Anthony Davis continues to, He's fucking awesome when he is, and then when he's not engaged and locked in, they're not gonna they're not gonna be impactful because they don't have enough players. So they do need to make a move. It's it's for them. It would be awesome to get Bruce Brown and somebody because true, Bruce Brown is great, but he's not the needle mover that the Lakers need to actually compete. We're talking about the Thunder. We're talking about the Timberwolves. We're talking about Jokic and the boys. These are this is not. 
like this is the, these are the top teams in the NBA that we expect like LeBron expects the Lakers to compete with and Bruce Brown is not going to put them over the top now if they go get Bruce and someone else then we could really start talking but then I think we're starting to we're starting to dream a little bit but yes yeah. Matt like you said if some something needs to happen and if the DeJounte Murray talks start to fall through or if the Levine talks start to come back in any way shape or form if those both fall through, Bruce Brown starts to look like a great addition because something needs to change regardless. That's going to do it for Buckets. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back on Sunday night for Monday morning. Back on Monday with the future Jays. We'll talk about division futures and some other stuff as we head into the final two weeks before the trade deadline. You can follow Sean in the Action Network app and on Twitter at Chicago Flow. You catch me on there at HB Basketball. My thanks to David Payne, our producer, who joined us tonight. That's all on mute uh, for this this podcast. Thanks, David. And as well as Hutton Jackson, the crew for getting this up on youtube.com slash the action network. We'll see you guys again on Monday. Enjoy your weekend. Until then, skip buckets. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.